Okay, all those who are kindergarten, fifth grade, uh, if you'd come forward for your class here, if you're a visitor today, your kids could come on up and join this crew here. Uh, directly after service, you'll be able to pick them up. The twos, threes, and four-year-olds, if you make your way to the back. Um, oh, threes, fours, and fives, sorry. Hey, Brooks, where's Brooks? Where's Brooke? Brooks? There, yeah, come here, come here real quick. Uh, this guy's responsible, but this is, I want to introduce you to Brooks because uh, the, the, the title today is all about Brooks. You know what my title is today for my sermon? It's, is Are Zombies Real? Okay. Ever since I've known Brooks, this is the question he approaches me every single Sunday. You probably have heard it from a distance to Susie's because I, I, I tried to turn it around on him. I threw it back in his direction. I said, Brooks, are, are zombie real? And he'd look at, oh man. So now he's been beating it to me every Sunday. So this has everything to do with our sermon today. So we'll, we'll, we're going to be talking, we're going to talk about why you're down. I'm going to answer that question, are zombies real, okay? And then maybe we'll talk about it later. I wanted you to know who, who was the original designer of my title today. It is Brooks. All right, you guys could go down. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brooks. Oh yeah, and this is his dad. So anybody wants to talk about the one who's responsible, it's his dad's mom's down there. So anyway, all right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. What is a zombie but this, you know, is The Walking Dead. We've heard that. That's, that's a zombie. I mean, it's one of the movies we've seen. Uh, uh, they have this appearance that they're alive, but in reality, they're dead. And that's the church in Sardis when we read it. It's chapter 3. The first five verses in, in chapter 3 of Revelation. Sardis. Let me just start just by a couple of things that, that uh, oh man, it seems like we talk about each of the cities. There's a lot of similarities. One thing is it's a pagan city. A big surprise there. I, there's a temple to Artemis that, that is still, some of the pillars still stand for it. Uh, it's also uh, apparent that it's a very wealthy city because some of the archaeological digs there have, have brought up some very nice jewelry and, and not just some pauper or, or poor person would have, but, but out of, of some of the diggings they've had that. So those are the two real convincing things I could say. Uh, it's built on a hill, what the, especially uh, there's a natural citadel of protection where the Acropolis, I mean, the, the, the main part of the city was built up here and it was a protective kind of thing. Lower part of the city was poor part of the city. And that'll come into play a little bit as we get more into talking about Sardis and what Jesus has to say to them. Uh, uh, let, let's go ahead and read exactly what Jesus says. That's, that's Revelation chapter 3. Uh, verses uh, 1 through 5. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. 
The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. We can also know this about specifically about the church in Sardis is from what Jesus does not say. I want to point this out in what we just read. The things that he did not say is, number one, that, that Sardis was not having trouble with false teachers. We've seen that in some of the cities already. Ephesus, uh, Ephesus was uh, one of them, Nicolaitans. It was repeated again, Thyatira. Some of those had repeated, man, you've got a problem with false teachers, uh, allowing Jezebel. Uh, uh, also, Balaam was mentioned in the past churches. But, but no indication of any false teaching problem here. Uh, the second thing is there is also no problem with any kind of persecution, like Smyrna. Uh, in, in Sardis, it seemed to be a place where there is it's just peace. It's peace. They weren't having those kinds of difficulties. Uh, and, and in some ways, I, you know, amongst all the churches, if I'm comparing... You know, maybe, maybe this is kind of the situation we have. You know, it's, it's, it's a time of peace. We're not getting a lot of uh, persecution or anything like that. We could, we're able to, to worship in relative peace. And, and so those things are, are happening amongst us. It doesn't seem like we have those kinds of troubles. We're, we're wanting to keep a good grasp on, on only the word and, and not to have any, any outside, you know, false teaching being an influence over us. So, man, that, that's kind of where our eyes are focused as well. We want to be careful about that. Sardis, the problem with Sardis is this. They are spiritually dead. They're zombies. There, there it is. I could finally tell Brooks, hey, there are zombies. It's in the scripture. It is, it is spiritual zombies, right? They, they have this reputation of being alive. But in Jesus, he says, you're dead. You're the walking dead. And, and so, uh, basically, they are lifeless believers. They're lifeless in their faith. Lifeless. And, and, and what we're gonna, about to read, what Jesus tells them, is that it'll, it'll be a message to us as well. If, if man, if we're dead, then, then Jesus has a message that, that lifeless Christians must come back to life. we got we got to resurrect. We, we need to, to have life. So if, if there is deadness in us, the, the great story here is there is repentance available. Jesus says it again. And that's a good part of all these churches. Maybe we've seen or identified some things throughout Maybe it's that lack of love. Maybe we're dying in that love or, or like Ephesus or, or other areas that, that we need to be aware of that, that we can repent and we can return to Christ. The message again this, this morning is how do we come back to life? If, if we see ourselves as dead, which we're going to define as we go on, what do we need to do? And I, man, as easy an outline as you can make, it's, it's these three things. It's wake up, grow up. And build up. So first of all, wake up, wake up. Uh, you know, you know what it is. Wake up. I put the the uh, uh, emphasis on there as it does in the scripture. You read it, it says wake up. Uh, it reminded me of Travis when he shared a sermon, and and Linda and I were part of his illustration. He talked about how we wake him. The difference between mom and dad in waking those boys up uh, when they were younger. Uh, mom would come in. In the morning, open the door, stick her head in. Boys, it's time to get up. That was it. 
You know, Linda's voice, boys, it's time to get up. And then his, Travis said, oh, and, and that had no effect on him, Travis said. I said, but when dad came in, the door would go wide open, the lights would come on, guys, get up! You know, it was, it was loud, and, and even it, sometimes it came with a threat. Guys, if you don't get up, I'm bringing the water in. And that meant, you know, I'm going to pour it on your head, and you're going to get up. So, so, and they knew I would follow through with that. Hey, if I told them to wake up, they would get up, you know. And I, I, I do believe that this passage deserves that kind of, you know, a dad's wake up, not mom's sweet, calm voice. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, if we look into this passage and how it's translated, it really means uh, beware or, 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 excuse me, be watchful. Be watchful. So it gives us not, a, not the idea of a person in bed. It has more like a guard over a, a certain area, detail, a sentry, who has the responsibility of watching a certain area. And, and, and so it's going to them and saying, you know, wake up means, hey, watch this area, it, it's vital. It's important. It, 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 it uh, cannot uh, go without uh, early detection. I mean, you need to keep your eyes on. The enemy could enter that way. Matter of fact, I think that's significant to Smyrna because in its history, in Smyrna's history, two, uh, uh, two uh, uh, times or twice that, that upper part where the, the Acropolis was, where, where that natural citadel sat, it was overrun by, by the enemy. Uh, and, and the way they did it was not go at the front gate where uh, the soldiers and the army would, would keep their eyes focused, you know, thinking they would come through the gate. On one side, it was, it was up on a rugged uh, uh, slope. It, it was very difficult. And on top of that, there was a wall built. So, hey, they, they had this false sense of security because no one's going to climb that. They're going to come to the front. That's why they had their eyes to the front. And, and so, so because of that, the two times that that Acropolis, that, that the top of, of Sardis was overrun was when they had climbers, uh, some soldiers who would volunteer to climb up and, and over, uh, come over the wall and go and dismantle or, or open up the gates. Uh, and, and, and so uh, in, in this thinking, the idea of wake up is, is that idea of, man, you got to be alert. You can't drop your guard. Matter of fact, there's a reason for us not to drop our guard because the enemy has his eyes on us. He has his eyes on you. The devil wants us to fail. Is that surprising to anybody? Hey, he, he, it's okay if you could claim to be a Christian. It's okay if you go to church on Sunday. But he doesn't want you to live that life following after Jesus. An effective, full, involved life for Jesus Christ. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He wants you to fail. Failing is not just not coming to church anymore or anything like that. It is absolutely just not living for Christ and not having that faith anymore. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Peter is telling the ch church, here's what you need to do. You need to be alert. You need to be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I, if, if, if we're walking in faith, that devil wants us to fail. He'll use all his deceitful schemes. He'll use all the temptations to try to turn us around and, and have us not following after Christ. You see, the city of Sardis fell because of a lack of vigilance, 
of tension. Uh, and again, I, I think about that idea of, of, of you know, there, there's that side where I think, man, I'm going to put my full confidence here. Where are we putting our confidence? Where are we putting our confidence? Well, I, I attend church every Sunday. Or I join online every Sunday and I'm watching. And, and what else do I do? Well, hey, I find places to serve and do ministry and, and different things like that. And those are false sense of security in my relationship because that's, that's not all it's about. It's not all about. I believe that the, the city of Sardis, that they had their beginnings in Christ, and yet they continued to, to deal in the things of, of sinfulness, pride, lust, greed, you name it. They continued in a worldly lifestyle. Last week I read Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21, that listed all the, the, you know, the, the deeds of the flesh. I believe they, they, they just continued. They continued to look like the community, although they might have been meeting together and, and looking like the body. They were still involved in sexual immorality and jealousy and debauchery and you know, dissension amongst the, each other. They continued in those things. And that, that absolutely identifies death amongst the body. So be aware, you know, watch out or wake up, as, as it says in the passage. The second one is to grow up, to grow up. The truth about the church is found within their deeds. Jesus says this about every church. He says, I know your deeds. He knows what they're doing at Sardis. He knows what they're up to. Uh, and, and so does the, the people of Sardis. I mean, as a community, the people of Sardis, they said, well, hey, that's a living church. That's, that, again, they were probably meeting together, maybe having meals together. They could have very well been involved in, in helping those who are in need, those who are hungry, those who, who needed housing. I, I don't They could be very much involved in those things. And, and so the people in Sardis thought, well, hey, that's a, that's a live church. I don't know what Junction City thinks of First Christian Church. They look at us and say, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of cars there. There's something happening there. You know, or they might see like, you know, we have the, the service Sunday that we did in September. Whoa, hey, they're out in the community serving. And even during the week, you know, wherever our offerings are going, hey, there's life there. They, they might identify and say, hey, that church is alive. But here's the sobering thought. Even in, in, in you know, it, it doesn't matter what, what the community thinks. It really matters what Jesus thinks. Jesus looked and said, even though you have this appearance that you're alive, you are dead. You are dead. That's a difficult pronouncement upon any church, isn't it? You're meeting together, but you're dead. I, I, I do think about some scripture where Jesus was talking about people who are entering into the kingdom. And of course, the door is wide open for those already and preparing. They're welcomed in and uh, but then the door is closed, and in Matthew 7, 20, 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Hey, we did this for you. And, and in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles? Then Jesus says, I will plainly tell them, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Could you imagine? I mean, hey, I'm doing all these things for you. Why am I not gaining entrance? Maybe it's because this idea of my entrance is all dependent upon what I've done for you, right? 
It's, it's all about what I've done. All the good things that I've done, I should, I, I should get access. But the reality is Jesus said, you never really had a relationship with me. You know, we do understand the gospel, don't we? That, that the good news is the only access we have is my relationship with Jesus. It is only through him that I gain accents, right? That, that, I want to make sure that's clear. I don't think the people in Sardis understood that. It, it was about, oh, well, let's, let's make a list of things that we need to do. Well, we need to gather together, and we share meals together, and we ought to do some good things. And, man, we could even talk about Jesus and do all these things. And, and we'll take care of our list. What did they fail to do? I, think, I believe what they failed to do was grow up to mature. You know, we have our beginnings in Jesus, right? We, we, there's that place where we have our beginnings in Jesus. Matter of fact, in verse 2, uh, 2b, it says, I have, uh, let me see, uh, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished. Jesus says, I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Okay, what deeds were not being finished? Was it just the list I went through? Well, we're not attending enough, or maybe we're not giving enough, or we're not serving enough. You see, they went through their list. Uh, but so, so if it's not those deeds, then what is it? What is going unfinished? You, you do understand that, that coming into a relationship with Christ is, is a beginning. There, there's the beginnings of receiving Christ, of, of repentance, of uh, of coming to an understanding and a belief in him and following after him. It, that, that's, there's the beginnings. And now it, it is about what he's going to do in me, his work in me. Right? It, it is about what he is going to work in me. And, and there's our faith is active in that. Because part of that faith says, okay, I'm, I'm cleansed and saved through the blood of Jesus. I have this, this now new indwelling the Holy Spirit who's going to direct me through his word and through understanding and through what? Growing and being stretched. And, and I, I tell you what, sometimes it's not easy, that road of growing. I, other believers might offend you. Well, what we'll do is we'll find another church. I, I, I say that, and I know we're chuckling, but, but that happens. Uh, and instead of doing what? Instead of doing what? Going and having a conversation with someone and just saying, hey, what, what's going on here? You know, I, I want to let you know how, how that offended me or, or, or I, I want to talk about that. Or we have a disagreement of somehow. And, and instead of, but guess what? I've, I've been saved through what? Mercy and grace. And, and guess what? How I had to look at my brothers and sisters in Christ with mercy and grace. And, and that wonderful word of reconcile. Let, let's sit down. Let's talk this out. Let's mend relationships. You see, I believe that we grow by being stretched. And through the difficulties you face, while you go back into the world and say, man, I'm called to something totally different, and you wrestle with that, that's part of your growing. I don't think that was happening in Sardis. I don't think that was happening in Sardis. They had a beginning but it is now being called an unfinished work. Unfinished work, incomplete work. Man, I, I know who Jesus is. Does he know you? 
Because I believe, man, if we're really connected to Christ, you're going to allow him to work through his spirit, through his word, through the church to become the people that you need to be. I, I do think that has something to do with that image of, of Jesus there. He's present there among the churches, right? His authority over the, it, hey, this church belongs to him. I don't know how many people have said, Ronnie, your church. I think, I did not die for this church. I didn't die. You know who did? Yeah, it belongs to him. It belongs, it, this, is, this is his church. And, and the fact that his authority, he's walking amongst those candlesticks in, in, in chapter 1. At the beginning of chapter 3, it says, here, here, here is the one who's speaking. It's the one who holds the, the seven stars and the seven spirits of God in his hand. What does that represent? I believe it represents everything about what he has made available, available to us to become the people of God. In all truth... Right? In his way, in his direction. And, and, and living together, completing everything that, that, that uh, uh, the spirit working is, is going to complete. You know, his love, joy, peace. I, I read that last week. But, but take, take some of these examples. Uh, here's some of the transitions that ought to be taking place when we come into Jesus. Uh, let's take, think about a, a bitter person who is withdrawn and has become critical and judgmental. We know those. And, and, and I, I've been that. When they are transformed to a, a woman or a man of acceptance and compassion. That, you see, that's, that's God's work being, being brought out in someone's life. Not, not continued in, in, in bitterness and, and criticalness and, and judgmental. But, but in acceptance and compassion. I think that's the transformation that ought to be taking place. How about a father who once was harsh and distant? I've known those. Uh, who, and, uh, who is transformed to a man of peace and contentment. Who, who places his priorities in God uh, and, and first and, and also within his family. Uh, man, that transformation. Changing of priorities. Uh, it could be a teen who desperately seeks acceptance from their peers, is willing to do whatever. You know, it seems to be a teenager. Man, need the acceptance of everybody. And so they go all kinds of directions that the world, you know, trying to meet up to everybody's expectations from the world. And yet if, if they come to know God, man, and he becomes their pursuit, he could drop all that, those expectations that come from, from others. The same thing. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your example is. What is it you're struggling with? What is it that, that Christ is changing you or has changed in you? Again, he has supplied everything we need. There is a warning in verse 3. When he talks, man, if we don't respond to the, to the words that, you know, hey, remember therefore what you have received and heard, that is the gospel, that there is no other message except for that gospel message. Jesus came, died, saved us. Hold it fast. Faith, you know, keep our faith in that and repent. That's the action or the activity of, of growing, of growing, taking part in growing. It says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will, you, you will not know at what time I will come to you. 
I know that's, that's what Jesus talked about. I'll come like a thief. That's talking about his return. There is the thought of, well, yeah, that's absolutely what he's talking about. Jesus is going to return, and we're going to be a dead church. That's the warning is. Jesus is speaking it. He's telling you to wake up. So, so in this, is it possible when Jesus returned? But there's even this idea that, that Jesus visits through trials and difficulties that come. Could be pandemics or natural disasters. And, and all of a sudden, how are we caught in that situation? I will be honest with you. It revealed a lot of immaturity amongst the church. I'm just being honest this morning. It, it revealed a lot of immaturity within our church, within our ranks. You know, it, it really did. And it shakes us. And I'm so glad it did. It's like the voice of Jesus saying to us, you need to wake up. You need to, you need to grow up. You need, you need to be my people and follow after me. No matter what comes from the world, we still belong to him. We're still his people. No matter what. And it ought to come out in every action, no matter what's happening to us, that we ought to be able to stand firm, hold fast, faithfully to the gospel that we received, continuing to love one another, accept one another, and live in his grace and mercy. Finally, I want to bring up this fact. Man, we need to build up. And there's no real place in here except for this. Each of, Jesus is addressing each of the churches. I mean, he sent one to Ephesus, to, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, and now to Sardis. And this is, this is a body. This isn't, this isn't to individuals. This, this is to whole congregations. So to whole congregation, even at Sardis, he said, man, you're dead. You, you have this reputation of being alive, but you're dead. And, and so it brings out this fact that we're, we're in this together. What's the importance of the church? We're doing this together. Doing what? Well, we're growing together. And, and I was even challenged in thinking this week, man, I'm on my knees quite often. And sometimes, man, I, I need to do it before you. So you could see, you know, my repentance. And, and even this wild thought that we as a congregation ought to do some repenting. When Jesus makes it evident to us, evident to us of some sinfulness that we're all a part of, you know, as a congregation, and and well, you say, well, man, now wait a minute, I'm I'm growing, I, you know, I'm 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 doing good things, and and I really believe I'm alive. But do you understand that we're all responsible for each other? Yeah, that's kind of what the church is, man. I have a responsibility for you. And I'm saying that as a preacher, but, but Bill Doden down here, he doesn't, we're not paying him at all. He has a responsibility for you. And Tom, my brother Tom over here, he, you have a responsibility for these folks. And Brandon, you have a responsibility for the people around you. To do what? Encourage, strengthen, even when it comes to challenging someone. And, and, and it might be difficult. Hey, I, want you, I see the sinfulness in your life. Man, is that a hard conversation? Have you been there? Someone close, someone that, that you, you even feel accountable to, that you say that to them. But that's the working of the church. You know, I, I do believe that the church gets deep. It, 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 it 
comes closer together, we, we, we have a responsibility for each other. It's not something we just join and we gather together, but we build relationships to the point of caring about each other. And, and, and even maybe you ought to ask each other, do you think we're dead? Do you, as a church, do you think we're dead? Do you think, think we need to do some repenting? Let me, let me ask you. I'm just asking you as a congregation as we come before. And Jesus says these words. Oh, but that's to Sardis. Is he saying that to us? As a church? Are we a dead church? I'm not seeing the acknowledgement or yes or, or no or anything. So I don't know, I don't know how to take that. I, are we dead? If we're dead... If we are dead, am I right? The position we ought to take is men on our knees and, 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 and remembering the gospel, the focus is the gospel. It's not, okay, let's make a list of things we ought to do. It's getting on our knees and sincerely and genuinely, each one of us, repenting. Man, I, I'm living a good life and I, I'm, I'm trusting Jesus in it, but my church, there's some members around it, and this is... I will say this is the truth. There's some amongst this congregation that are on the membership books absolutely that are dead. I could tell you, I, I, I feel very confident in saying that. They're just dead. And part of that is because, you know, Sunday morning you might look alive, but I know, what you, I, I know the activities that happens Monday through Friday. Right? It's not about Jesus. It's about you. And that's living like the world. Oh, man. For Jesus to speak to us. I, I, I want to say this. This is why even more so important is, is our overall statement of why we exist as a church. We exist to foster the family of God. I know you're hearing that a lot. But man, that's on my mind. What does it mean to foster the family of God? Except he's got all this activity. He has a spirit in you. He has a scripture. And, and as a church, we ought to be encouraging each other, building each other up. To, to be accomplishing all he wants of us as a church. Are you with me? Thank you, Donna. <laughs> I, I really believe that, that it really, you know, we talk about response or something this morning. I think one of our prayers this morning is just to ask God honestly as a congregation, are we dead? Lord, how, how do we bring life to the lifeless here in the church? How, how do we, uh, matter of fact, embrace what he says there beginning in verse 4? He says, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They're not continuing in worldly ways and things like that. So there's a few people. The, the, the majority of the church is dead, but hey, there's a few people in Sardis who are doing all right. Here's what they have. They will walk with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Walking with Jesus. Uh, they, they will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. How are they worthy? Because they're doing good things, right? No. Because they are absolutely putting their faith in Jesus. That's how they're walking. That's how they're living their lives. Uh, the one who is victorious will, th like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. 
reminds me of the passage that says, those who, who won't acknowledge me before men, I'm not going to acknowledge you before my Father. But to those who live a life and, and acknowledge me and, and, and share my name with, with everyone and, and, and not hide it under a bushel, no, uh, I, I will acknowledge him before my Father. I love the Scriptures. I love this. We can't get any closer to hearing the very voice of God speaking to us individually than through the scriptures. What he has to say to us. So I tell you, I approach the scriptures trembling and, and, and all just, just in that, that sense of awe and, and, and a need of repentance often when it comes to his word. And I think that's what we see this morning. I don't want to be like Sardis. All right. Anybody else? Don't, yeah, I, I don't want to hear it from Jesus. I don't want to hear it from the mouth of Jesus to say, you're dead. <laughs> because there's a judgment over our heads if that's true. Listen, those who are dead have no idea what it means to be called. We've been called to so much more than just being a ter- church attenders. We are called to be the church, the living, breathing body of Christ. I love that imagery. We've been called to so much more than being experts with his word. We are called to live his word. Big difference. We've been called to so much more than being religious. We are called to be righteous. We've been called to so much more than living as paupers uh, with the wealth of this world, all that we could gain to ourselves. But we are called to be his children and the heirs of his entire kingdom. We cannot be zombies. (laughs) We cannot be spiritual zombies. I do do believe that part of our response this morning is a repentance, each one. I'm not going to ask you all to come forward. Can I just tell you I think it's necessary? You, you could come and scold me. Man, I'm living for Jesus. I'm doing it all right and everything. But this morning, part of our invitation is just to say, God, forgive us of our sinfulness. Father, wake us up. Turn us around. Help us to grow. Help us to do it together. Help us to, to intentionally build this body. Not just because I'm speaking, but, but one another having the responsibility and seeing us grow. Any objections to me praying, saying, God, forgive us? Anybody here? Anybody here? Objections say, now leave me out of it. <laughs> Let me pray. This is our invitation this morning. If, if by chance there's, there's a, uh, someone who, who wants to make a decision, we'll, we'll give an opportunity. But right now, this is that, that, that prayer of, of repentance over, over this congregation. Let's, let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you as a body of Christ. Lord, there's so many terms that we want to uh, consider ourselves. We want to be called your children. We want to be called your sheep. We want to be identified with you, your church. And, and yet, Father, your word is so pointed and heavy upon us at times and the way it, it's laid out. Father, oh, oh, to have Jesus express that word directly to us to, to say that, that you're dead. You have many of us around here, Lord, we're dead, and as a church, we're dead. Lord, would be a, 
a judgment upon us that would be a heavy, a burden, Lord, that, that take us, take that place of heavy hearts. And that, that, Lord, as we come before you this morning, we recognize there's, there's some deadness in us or whether we're just completely dead. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask, Lord, we repent before you for, for the inactivity, not of the things that we're doing. Lord, we're doing things. But the inactivity of the Holy Spirit in our heart, the inactivity of your word in our lives throughout the week, Lord, we as a church come before you and ask that you forgive us. Help us, Lord, be the church that represents you well in our families, in our community. That the name of Jesus is going to be known because we are a church that is alive. Father, continue to help us to move forward to, to be the people of God, living and active. God, we praise you for your mercy. We always praise you for your grace through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.